All right. Welcome to the Operations Mastery Podcast. I'm Nick Verdi. I'm here with Courtney Cool. She's the CEO of Expert Marketing Advisors. They've helped launch some insanely large tech companies out of the Bay Area and beyond. And we're happy to have her on. Thanks for having me, Nick. Appreciate it. Thanks, Courtney. Mind giving you know, everyone an overview of what you guys do, what services you provide, and who you typically work with? Sure. Yeah. I, um, it, we are an end-to-end marketing uh, services agency. So uh, we've got experts in all different areas of marketing um, and essentially are working as an extension of your team. So help augment and uh, get folks scaling, uh, insert best practices, and, and then you're off to the races. Amazing. And is it just consultative or do you actually execute these campaigns for, for people? Yeah, we've, we operate on both ends. Um, so we can be the uh, experts and make recommendations. Uh, and then we can also be the execution arm. Uh, more often than not, we are the execution arm. Uh, as folks uh, really kind of rely on the team to to be the experts that are uh, inserting all the, all the uh, best practices. And so when you execute, do you bring in contractors and agencies and things like that? Or do you actually have like, you know, campaign managers in house doing that? Yeah, great question. Uh, so, I mean, we found that uh, really from day one, a huge part of our success came from uh, working with partners. And our channel was actually uh, why we survived COVID. Uh, we were just inhaling and exhaling together. So we could really tell when uh, the doors were knocking, our doors were knocking, their doors were knocking, um, and we were able to just uh, weather the storm, so to speak. Um, but with that said, sort of the long answer to your question is we utilize folks of all different nature, um, in-house, full-time folks, um, partners, and contractors. Um, and really, at the end of the day, we're looking for people that are um, just of really high quality, high caliber. Uh, so that's where we find partners that um, we work uh, with the same level of success and um, the same uh, culture. And uh, people that we come across, say, working with uh, the likes of MasterCard, we then ultimately end up uh, partnering with and uh, find more business down the road. Uh, so just kind of more doors, more doors open as, as, as a result. Amazing. And um, how, how many like, you know, people are, are on your team or do you partner with roughly or firms? Yeah, sure. Of course. So we just did an acquisition of our own this last June. And it was our first acquisition. We do have our eyes on um, doing another acquisition in 2024, uh, depending on if we find the right uh, company to merge with. Um, but essentially, we're looking for, uh, again, this, the same the same like-minded folks and same caliber. But uh, when we did the acquisition, it brought us to just a little bit over 40 people on our core team and um, also rolled in with the partners that they were using. Uh, along with our existing partners. So uh, when you take that into account, we're uh, probably just over 500 when you uh, take in their teams as well. So we can, again, expand and um, pretty much say yes to everything. We're focused 100% on B2B tech companies, though. That is really our wheelhouse. And do they have to be a specific size? Nope, all different sizes. Um, So our success managers are really the glue. They're kind of the gold. They're um, able to really pull in the right experts at the right time. Um, really be the program and campaign folks that work, um, you know, hand in hand with the clients and their success. And it's really kind of looking at that crystal ball and see what's going to happen, not just Q1, but Q3, Q4. Um, and, in, you know, with the smaller uh, folks, we can really kind of predict where they're going. With the bigger folks, it's already um, laid out and much more predictable. So just aligning them with the right success manager. 
um, so that we can kind of stay agile in that sense. How long have you been doing this? How long have I been doing it? Uh, so my background is demand gen. Um, the agency itself started about seven years ago. So uh, we can always say the first five years you're growing, the next five years are scaling. And then that last final five years, you're really exiting and preparing on that end. So the same, same thing that we're doing for our clients, we treat ourselves like a client. So we have our own success manager assigned to us. We run the same playbooks against ourselves. Uh, and, and we wouldn't ever make any recommendation for someone else that we haven't already done for our for our own uh, our own uh, business. So what, we're like looking, I guess, looking back at the last seven years, what were your biggest drivers of growth? Um, what were those like pivotal moments? Yeah, yeah. I mean, really, when we decided to treat ourselves like our like a customer and like a client, that was a huge. Um, turning moment we we used to kind of treat ourselves like for lack of a better way of saying it like the you know the cobbler's kid that never really had shoes of their own and then we we really kind of uh, grew up and started taking ourselves more seriously um and now it's it's very turnkey in that sense um coming out of 2020 was a big one uh you know we we really took all the right measure measures and came out just a little bit on the green and then 2021 we came out of the gates just swinging just paying attention to those types of things. The partner piece is huge. Um, I'm a huge advocate of channel uh, because once again, when we, we all lean in together. So uh, just being able to pick up the phone and saying, okay, what do you, what do you see happening on your end? And it's very mm -hmm. much, very, very likely that's happening on my end as well. Um, so we can really kind of see before the, the, the uh, tidal wave is hitting the, the shore. We really have our finger on the pulse way before anyone else. That's really a, a kind of a, a pivotal moment when uh, you're able to see things uh, way before anyone else, that, that, that bird's eye point of view. So two, I have two questions on that. Number one, um, typically having channel partners and things is more enterprise strategy, something a lot of people I interview aren't used to. Can you just explain that for us and then mm -hmm. uh, and how you like structure working with them? And then number two, um, curious what you guys did around COVID slash after covid when you had like the tech bubble um yeah. and, and recession up till late yeah yeah of course i mean I, I think we're we're finally on the other side of all of that so so that's great um i'm really looking forward to this, actually this q1 coming out of the at gates once again but taking a step back the channel piece so direct sales is really you know pretty straightforward um when you go into the partner sale um, it, it took a, probably a little, almost about a year for me to kind of get used to that conversation. Um, but as soon as it clicks, it clicks. And it's just really sort of the other side of the coin, you know, the same coin. But what, kind of what I learned along the way is um, you really ultimately need to just, uh, again, find like-minded folks, find people of the same quality. And at the end of the day, give more than you get. Um, and it's the long game. So you know, I've worked with other business owners that really don't have sort of that that business, um, natural business state of mind. But if, you know, they're they're really strong on sort of the creative side or they're really strong on the operation side or, you know, what have you, they, they bring value to the table. Um, and it's ultimately just keep giving over and over. And once mm -hmm. you give love, you're going to get love ultimately down the road. Um, so we all kind of lean on, again, we learn from each other, we, le we lean on each other, and the business will come back around. Um, so that's just a huge part of it. Um, the reseller piece, uh, so on the operations front, you know, becoming a, a Marketo partner, a HubSpot partner, a SFDC mm. partner, you know, all of the tech stack 
folks originally I wanted to be agnostic and not look as if we were taking any sort of kickbacks or we had any sort of um, bias toward one tool over the other and then learned actually we have a, a tremendous amount of leverage when we open up the the door to all of them and behind the scenes we can we, we, we can see all the contracts we can see who's using what which tools and if they're using it to their full advantage or how we can actually help them as an individual customer and and and, and get them further along um, so ultimately, we're it's always comes back to what is best for the customer, um, as mm -hmm. well as the negotiating power. So a tremendous amount, amount of negotiating um, that we can we can do that they can't do for themselves. Uh, so kind of opening up those doors was really huge, uh, and then as well, just uh, partners open open doors for each other. You know, you just even just a straight referral if you just want to start somewhere simple um, to start as referral partners. So if somebody comes to us looking for a B two C you know, social media, digital media, or any of PR even, and we don't really play in the B2C um, arena, we can kick it over to one of our partners, um, even just for a straight referral kickback. Um, and that just kind of yeah. keeps the doors going, keeps the doors open. And is it accurate to say a lot of your leads then come from channel partners, like most? Um, no, I mean, no, no it's, it's a nice mix. Yeah, it's, it's a nice mix. We actually, it's, I always kind of chuckle a little bit when folks ask me, you know, what works for us or what are we doing to, to get our, um, to get business? Because if we weren't able to do marketing for ourselves, I mean, that yeah. goes back to, you know, turning the playbooks on ourselves. Um, so if we weren't good at it, then we shouldn't certainly shouldn't be doing it for others. <laughs> so it's a, it's a, it's a complete mix. Um, everything from uh, partner enablement, sales enablement through to, you know, organic to, to paid um, all the way through to, you know, even just programs uh, and, and the likes thereof. Okay. And um, when you, sorry, I'm more on partners. Do you mm -hmm. take a cut of whatever your client is paying them or is it you charge the client and manage everything under your umbrella and then pay, pay partners out? I mean, so, you know, again, with every partner, it's sort of whatever their comfort level is. I see. Um, I mean, I, I try to be as straightforward as possible. So our business model is very straightforward. Um, some folks like to kind of have a mix and whatnot. Um, I've just found that for us, in order to scale, I just keep it really, and this is on straight sale too, um, just pay people for the work they do, regardless of what work it is. Um, just a really, there's no mixed mixed uh rate or anything of that sort mm. uh, i do encourage a strong a longer engagement with the longer engagement you get a, a, a cut in the um just kind of the rate um but you know at the end of the day we're people we're not a product so yeah. you know, treat people like people <laughs> and yeah, it kind of goes in there and the same thing with partner deals if people if the, if the partners wants to do a five percent kickback or if they're comfortable with ten percent this really just has to do with margins um, but mm -hmm. ultimately if we, if, if they've got a, a line in the sand that they can't, um, cross as far as their hourly rate, I totally get it. Ours is tough as well. We're on, you know, we're us, um, rate in Silicon Valley. So it's, it's tough, uh, as, as far as being able to match some of the other rates that are out there. Um, and just kind of speaking like a, you know, like human beings. Um, but yeah, there's usually a, a little bit of a kickback over the course of the initial three months or the initial, the first six months of the engagement, depending on what it is. But it's, again, it's more about get, opening doors and the long game, yeah. not the short game. Mm -hmm. Totally. And um, 
Jumping over to client work, you mentioned playbooks. Do you apply the same playbooks to each client? Obviously, everything's custom, but do you find like um, that helps scale like the service? Yeah. So, um, so there is definitely something to you know what's old is new again, and kind of uh, so the agency itself is rounding on seven years. I go back to the early two thousands. And there's definitely things that you, you see like, oh, there it is again. Or like, you know, like, oh, there's that, there's that tagline or, oh, like, you know, mm-hmm. it's, like, I can pitch on any trade show floor and I'm, you know, it's like the easy button for X, Y, Z or the mm-hmm. smart meter for that. And it's just, mm-hmm. you know, pull out one keyword, insert the next keyword. So it gets a little exhaustive in that sense. Um, that being said, there's, you know, the AI is a huge game changer. That's, um, to me, probably the most interesting thing that has come around since literally the internet. Um, so really bringing that to the table is, um, you know, and going back to just the individual clients themselves. You, yes, you have this, the, the playbooks, but then you tweak them to, of course, be unique for the, uh, for the, the person that you're working for, the, the company that you're working for. Um, but you, you do want to get that base in place, the foundation, that hamster wheel, as I, as mm. I like, like to call it, so that something's happening every single week, every single month, regardless of what month you're in. And then you start scaling it based off of the industry or the, the personas and, and uh, as, as they go to market. Yeah. And my last question would be, what, what do you think the biggest mistakes that these B2B tech companies are making right now coming in uh, to your firm that you see in like their marketing or sales or positioning? Great question. Biggest mistake. Um, you know, I think it, it depends on which area of marketing we're, we're talking about um, because operations is key. Mm-hmm. Uh, we see a lot of the plumbing like broken. Um, mm-hmm. So, you know, you, you can spin your wheels externally, but if it kind of goes into a deep, dark hole behind the scenes and your plumbing is not set up right, it's, it's again, a deep, dark hole. So you've got to have like the right hand and the left hand together. Um, and that's the marketing ops and the sales ops side. And it's important to get that mm-hmm. sort of external, but you know, you got to have that balance. Um, and then it's in the other way as well. So if you're so um, stuck internally, then, and you don't have a balance focused externally, you know, you're pretty much just talking to yourself. I call it navel gazing when, you know, people are just, they wake up thinking about themselves and they go to sleep thinking about themselves and the rest of the world still hasn't, you know, figured out who they are or, or care, so to speak. Um, so you have to kind of take a moment, you know, take a breath and realize that there's a balance between, you know, marketing in particular, you have to have that external presence, but also tie it mm-hmm. to the internal so that folks, so you see those results um, and make sure it's all kind of cohesive and working. Awesome. Well, this has been a great podcast. Do you have any other advice for you know, companies or other services like yours on like operating and actually, you know, growing? Um, I mean, just don't be fearful at all. You know, don't, don't overthink things. Um, I think especially with AI, there's a tremendous amount of opportunity. Um, you know, the easy, simple one right out of the gates is the content, the, the ability to create content um, really quickly um, and be very specific about it. Uh, so that's a, a major game changer. Uh, which is, of course, going to impact uh, you know where folks land as far as uh, SEO and all of the above, and and just being searchable in that sense. So just uh, just overall, just uh, don't be fearful with it. Lean in as opposed to be, being cautious. Yeah, hundred percent agree. 
Well, this has been an amazing podcast. Very interesting compared to other agencies I, I interview. So I appreciate um, your time. Yeah, likewise. Well, thanks for having me.